Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Broadcasting live on the High Velocity Radio Show and the Business Radio X Network. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic show. It was definitely worth the wait, and now it's time. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Sigmund Leadership Solutions, CEO and founder, Mr. John Sigmund. How are you, sir? I am great. How are you? We are doing good here in Atlanta. But uh, before we get too far into things, John, do you mind sharing a little bit about Sigmund Leadership Solutions? How are you serving folks? Oh, yeah, terrific. Thank you very much for asking. So uh, we uh, we do a couple of different things, but our primary focus is on coaching. There is some consulting that comes along uh, sort of as a parallel to that. Uh, but we're servicing uh, primarily uh, senior executives uh, all across the U.S. and really all across the globe, quite honestly. So we have a number of clients that we service in the Washington, D.C. area, which is where I am today. They are largely uh, either C-suite or aspiring C-suite uh, individuals, uh, but occasionally we get people from a uh, from variety of different backgrounds, but that's primarily our uh, niche at this point. Now, has your background always been in coaching, or did you have a real job before that? Oh, <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> Well, that's a great question. So if, uh, so if I could maybe just spend a couple of minutes and, and maybe it might be helpful for context just to kind of explain a little bit about how I actually got into coaching. Absolutely, please. Yeah, okay. Well, so I call myself uh, the reluctant coach. And uh, I actually did have a, a full-time corporate job uh, for a number of years, and I won't bore you with my entire career history. Uh, but along the way, I was the uh, the last a real job that I had was I was a chief human resources officer uh, for a really large uh, not-for-profit organization. So I was over their uh, not-for-profit side, their foundation, and their for-profit side. And I remember very distinctly about seven years or so ago, one of my colleagues came to one of our leadership team meetings and, and she said, we really need to have some coaching in this organization because our managers are really struggling and they're not doing well. Uh, and my response to that at that time was, uh, that's something we should be training managers to do, that we really didn't need coaching. And I got my boss at the time to kind of buy into that. And if you fast forward from that, about three years later, uh, I was in my boss's job and quite honestly, kind of struggling a little bit to kind of get my footing. Suddenly, I was in front of boards and having to do presentations, et cetera. Uh, and so I ran into a friend of mine who was in the, kind of the same circle, and he's a coach. And he convinced me that I could use some coaching. And so I reluctantly kind of enrolled in the coaching program with him, uh, and I was astounded really quite literally astounded by the results that I got out of that engagement. And that changed my entire perspective around coaching. So that really is how I got into coaching. So I did have, so make a long story short, I did have a, a very uh, meaningful and fulfilling career for a number of years. Uh, and I really went into coaching full time with my own business, uh, Sigmund Leadership Solutions, about a year and a half ago. 
So now when you were working in that corporate job, in your mind initially, I'm trying to understand, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I heard was you kind of saw coaching and managing kind of similarly. Like you, you thought that yes. was the manager could do the coaching. That would be just the, that's what they part of their job responsibility. But then you learned maybe coaching is a different thing. And then maybe we've got to bring in coaches to help the managers manage more effectively. That's exactly right. Uh, and you, you did not put words in my mouth. So that that's very articulate. So that that's exactly how I viewed it. I, I saw that entryway as, you know, this is really a management job and they should be, providing this kind of structure for their employees. And if they're struggling, they probably aren't that good a manager. And why aren't we focusing on that? So I was really, in many ways, I was really not anti-coaching, but I was not really a big fan uh, at the time. But as these things go, you know, when it happens to you and you experience it, it's, it's a big difference. Now, was there a certain coaching methodology that you kind of landed on or, or just the idea of coaching as a, in general was what you kind of said, this is what managers need? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, ironically, uh, so I got, if I can say where I got trained, so I got trained uh, through the Coaches Training Institute. Uh, and that's where I got my formal uh, training from. And quite honestly, at the time when I was looking to enroll in coach training, uh, I had a list of criteria. Uh, and I had this idea that all kind of coaching methodologies were very similar and were the same. Uh, and I found out later that that actually was not true. And so I went through. So that's uh, one methodology that I learned that I put into practice uh, all the time. But after that, subsequent to that, I uh, studied under Marshall Goldsmith in his uh, stakeholder center coaching methodology, which is uh, so I use kind of a blend of both of those. I I provide, you know, whatever the coachee presents is where, as you well know, is kind of where I go with it. Uh, and sometimes it lends itself to uh, Marshall's methodology, kind of the stakeholder centered methodology. Other times it lends itself to more of a whole person methodology, uh, looking at the individual, where they are in their life, as you know, including work and their personal life. So now for you, after you left kind of the corporate world and decided to be an entrepreneur, that's like a whole new world, right? Because when you have the support of an organization, that's one thing. But then when you're John Sigmund, you know, Inc., that's another thing. Um, how did that transition go? Uh, well, it was, to be honest with you, it, uh, it was a little bit rocky. And what you just described was something that, quite honestly, I, I don't know how I missed it, to tell you the truth, but I just really underestimated the value of having that support and that structure kind of around me. So whereas before, I had a whole team of people, and if I, need a, I needed a stapler or a, some copy paper or whatever, I just said, yeah, hey, can somebody get me a stapler? Somebody got me a stapler. So now that's all on me. And so it's a little bit of a learning curve to try to learn to juggle uh, all of those things. And I have uh, learned to rely much more heavily on technology in terms of you know calendaring, and things of that nature. But uh, to be uh, quite tr truthful about it, it was a little bit of a, of a struggle at first, but I feel like now I've kind of gotten my groove and uh, kind of into the swing of things and things are running a lot more smoothly. So now when you're working with a client, are you, um, are you going in with your own kind of Sigmund 
protocol of how to deal with a client that is kind of leaning on some of the learning that you had from these other coaching groups? Or are you just kind of placing them into the whatever group that, that that's the most appropriate solution for their answer? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and so what I have done is I've taken the methodologies that I've learned uh, and through the training that I've been through. And, and this is what I encourage all coaches to do is it, I have made it my own, you know, and what I mean by that is it's something that fits with my life experience and who I am as a person and what I can bring to our relationship and working together. But as you know, and, and as your listeners probably are well aware, you know, it all starts with where the coachee is and, and what their agenda is. And so that's my that's always my starting point is, you know, what's on your mind? What would you like coaching on? You know, what can I help you with? Uh, and kind of go from there with this, you know, wild curiosity and active listening kind of thing. But uh, at the end of the day, I've taken you know, Marshall's work uh, and the work of CTI and other work, you know, that I've come kind of come that I have come across uh, and I've made it my own uh, in a way that I feel like is really, really impactful uh, for my clients. Now, are you working Are companies bringing you in and saying, hey, John, um, can you work with Bill? He's um, we, we we see good things for him and um, we need you to coach him up to get ready for kind of the next challenge. Or are they coming in and saying, "Hey, can you fix Bill? <laughs> he's not uh, he's not performing that well." Yeah, uh, I to be quite truthful about it, I try to stay away from uh, remedial coaching or coaching for performance or behavior. Uh, I do, uh, to be quite honest, I, I have done that before, uh, and it has been reasonably successful. Uh, but my my take on it is you've got to be really, really clear on that uh, in terms of kind of helping that individual. So I try to steer away from things that might end up looking like employee relations or some sort of HR investigatory kind of thing, because I don't feel like that's good for me. It's not good for the coachee, and it's really not good for the coaching profession. Uh, but having said all of that, I have taken a case or two like that from time to time. Uh, but primarily, it's for in the primary clientele that I see are people who are preparing to move up or they have just moved up uh, and they need that extra something, you know, that extra oomph that they need in front of the board or in front of the new CEO or, or to help get them prepared to step into a new role. And so kind of helping them move and, you know, achieve their wildest ambitions. That's really kind of uh, the point of view that I'm coming from. Now, are they finding you individually or is the organization kind of identifying them for you? Uh, so most, so I, I'm in a little bit of a unique uh, circumstance because when, uh, unbeknownst to me for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, I have really care. And I didn't know I was doing this at the time. Uh, I've carefully cultivated a pretty broad and deep network. Uh, and so when I decided to go out on my own, uh, you know, I contacted a handful of people that I really trusted out of my network to let them know what I was planning to do. And from there, really, the business has just sort of grown from that. And so I get a, a lot. I don't have a lot of arrangements with companies. I do have a couple. 
Uh, and from time to time, they will say, you know, we've got this group or we've got this, we've got this individual, we have this team that we want some work done with. Uh, but mostly it's individuals either from my network or who have been referred from my network uh, who are seeking out some additional help. Now, are you doing work kind of individually, sometimes in person, or are you doing kind of um, groups of people at a time? Yeah, that, yeah, that. Right now, uh, a lot of what I do is face-to-face, and so uh, a lot of the corporate clients that I have, particularly those uh, individuals who are in the C-suite, uh, I haven't really put my finger on it quite yet exactly the why, uh, but they want to see me in person. So maybe some of it is they feel like they're getting more value for their money, et cetera. Uh, so about 60% is face-to-face. Uh, and I do have some uh, some clients overseas, and clearly those are all – I usually do those all by video uh, conference if I can. Occasionally I'll do uh, over the phone, uh, but that's not that often. I, I really – there, you know, since everything has kind of gotten a lot easier with using Zoom and some of the other video uh, technologies, it's just made life a lot simpler, I think. And so mostly it, face-to-face, uh, the next on the list would be uh, video, and then finally uh, just phone. Now, when you're doing this kind of work, can you share a success story where you were able to, you don't obviously mention the person's name, but maybe the challenge that they were having and the, then you were able to work with them for a period of time and then they were able to get an outcome? Can you kind of recap? Sure, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I had, uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple of different flavors uh, for this. Uh, so one of my, uh, when I first started my business, uh, one of the first clients that I had was someone who worked for a staffing firm. She worked. She was a, a headhunter, and she worked for a large uh, recruiting firm. And she was just, you know, uh, she was she was not fulfilled, right? It was one of those circumstances where she presented herself and said, you know, I'm just stuck. You know, I don't really know which direction I want to go in. Uh, I don't really like what I'm doing, uh, but I could continue to do it forever if I wanted to. But I'm just I'm not sure what I want to do. And so that really was this holistic kind of coaching platform, and we helped explore her values, the things that were important to her, uh, helped her develop some different perspectives on her life and her career. Uh, And when we got toward the sort of the end of the engagement a little bit, she made a pretty dramatic decision to leave the organization she was working for, and she started her own business, which is actually thriving. Uh, So it's a couple years down the road uh, from where we started, uh, but she has a whole program built up around helping uh, young women find their feet and find their voice in the community and learn the skills that they need to navigate the work world, et cetera. And she has a waiting list. So So I'm so so proud of her and what she's accomplished. So that's that's one example. Uh, I have uh, the, other, the other example I'll give you real quickly is I had an association uh, executive uh, who came to me and he was sort of stuck as well. Uh, didn't quite know exactly what he wanted to do and how he wanted to proceed. He enjoyed his work uh, and liked what he was doing, but again, kind of felt stuck, wasn't sure, just the, kind of a disconnect. Uh, and so Fast forward a little bit. So what happened with him was he made a decision that he was going to enroll uh, at the London School of Economics to learn a lot more about how the EU worked, and that in- influenced his association work. And now he's the now he's moved up within his organization. And he's very very happy, and he's also the president of a volunteer association of. Uh, 
kind of weird to say it, association leaders. So it's other association <laughs> leaders uh, that he's the president of. And uh, and so, yeah, and so we and we stay in touch, you know, and all of those things for the coach. You know, for me, first of all, it's all, those stories are very, very fulfilling. They don't all end up with nice bows on them like that, but they all have nice tails to them. So from a business development perspective, that – that helps my business with, you know, additional referrals, et cetera. And so, uh, yeah, I've gotten a lot of really powerful and positive testimonials, which lets me know that I'm on the right path. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Our guest today, John Sigmund, CEO and founder of Sigmund Leadership Solutions. If you're a business coach and want to help more people, make more money, and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. John Stone Payton here with Business Radio X. I have been listening intently to your conversation with Lee. I have a couple of observations. Um, Maybe it's just Stone venting for a moment, and then maybe a question will come out of it, (laughs) and maybe you can help me uh, be a better coach. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of context before I make those observations, I'm not out in the marketplace as a coach, but I find myself wearing that hat quite often here in the Business Radio X network. I am the person who will try to help new studio partners kind of get off the ground, and I'm the sounding board and sometimes the uh, the conduit to new information, and it's my responsibility to the degree I can to try to help coach, mentor, and lead these uh, business people who are running Business Radio X studios around around the country. Um, my first observation, back when I did have something akin to a real job, it's been quite some time, it was in the training and development industry. And I kind of thought of this when you and Lee were talking about the manager's responsibility. But we used to say uh, with regard to, to uh, training that if you didn't get the manager involved in some fashion, that they'll untrain them quicker than you can train them. So that's that's one thing. So I want to kind of circle uh, back uh, back around to that. And that was our observation. I wonder if there's not some similar dynamic when it comes to coaching. And maybe it's related to this. Uh, This is a personal feeling that I just sometimes get. I feel like I'm having these very productive conversations, you know, with Joe or Sue. I'm making these names up, but with a studio partner. And I feel like we're covering such great ground and and I'm, I'm doing a good job of Um, you know, not just dictating, but kind of letting them sort of self-discover the path and the next set of actions. And I get this feeling sometimes that I'm, I'm I'm clothing them in this nice, bright, shiny, brand new t-shirt, and I'm sending them out in negative 10 degree weather. Uh, And I just wish that, you know, the first couple of interactions that they have out there trying on some of these new skills and behaviors, I'm just hoping, I'm praying that, that the response will be supportive and that they won't get crushed. So I guess those are kind of related. So what I'm asking for, I guess, is your take on if you've, if you've witnessed those dynamics, but also any counsel you might have to offer someone like me, who's like an internal coach or someone who you know has coaching clients, what, if anything, should they be doing to sort of um, prepare the ground out there and, uh, and, and maybe work with other people in their clients' ecosystem to to kind of to to keep them from uh, getting crushed early in their development process as they go back out. Yeah, 
That, so thank you very much for that. That's that's really a terrific, uh, terrific little segue. So I think a couple of things are at play there. One is I think that you're you're exactly correct. A lot of times what happens is uh, individuals are promoted to become people managers uh, as a result of their deep subject matter expertise in one area or another. So someone may be a star accountant, let's say, and then suddenly there's an opening for a supervisor of accountants, and they think, well, you know, uh, Bill over here, he's a great accountant. You know, he's the best we have. Why don't we make him the supervisor? <laughs> and and so, and that happens, you know, that happens a lot more often than people think. And there's not, you know, and maybe Bill's had supervisory uh, experience. Maybe he hasn't. Uh, and it, what matters is how are people supervised within that ecosystem that that Bill operates in. And so, having so the value of having a coach in that circumstance is to help Bill. I'm using a fake name here, help Bill uh, to build the muscle that he needs to kind of go out and experiment with some of these other sorts of things. So if he's having a, a challenge building a team or engaging with his team, uh, you know, one of the, believe it or not, one of the most common things I hear is I've got a supervisor who uh, comes in every day and they go in, the first thing they do is just check their email. They don't come around and check on their team. And so helping them learn to experiment a little bit with some things that might make a difference. And it doesn't have to be anything complex or complicated, it can oftentimes be a very, very simple solution. And so I approach it by helping that individual uh, get some feedback, right? And that may, as a coach, that can be a formal kind of 360 or a multi-rater assessment. I, I typically don't start there. I typically start at a little bit of a lower level and just do some stakeholder interviews, right? So I may let's pick on Lee for a second. I may go around and I say, you know, where are some areas where Lee really shines and sets an example for others? Where are some areas where Lee might need a little development and where are some areas where Lee might overuse some of these positive things? And then I'll pull all that together and present that back to the coaching and say, you know, what surprises you here? Right. And so that can kind of help narrow down a little bit about some of the muscle that they might need to focus on so that, to your point, they're not out there with a tank top and you know 10 below zero uh, because of some thing that I've kind of guided them toward. They uh, they see in stark kind of black and white uh, what it is that they need to work on, how other people see them. And the thing that I try to instill with particularly with people managers is, and this is a little bit difficult for them to wrap their head around, is it doesn't really matter that much what you think about yourself. Uh, and if you think about it from that perspective, the example I give oftentimes is I may think I'm the greatest singer in the world, right? And I may be convinced of that. But what really matters is what the judges of American Idol would say about my singing. <laughs> and, you know, and so trying to get that level of feedback can kind of help feed that safe space. Uh, that your client or your coaching might need to go out and kind of exercise again and sort of experiment with some of the things that you're trying to help them get to. Does that help? Uh, more than you could possibly imagine. I like having that structure. And now what I need to think through for my system is where do I go out to get some of that data to help me drive that conversation? But what I am hearing is that these observations that I've shared with you they are valid and I need to think through them if I'm going to really be of any genuine service to these folks. Right. And, and to kind of close the loop on that, you know, again, uh, ask the coachee, uh, 
what are who are some people that we should be talking to? And don't and if I was talking to you about it, I would say, don't give me all the people who are going to say everything nice about you. Give me some <laughs> people that you have some run-ins with, that, that you have some that you have some issues that you rub elbows with from time to time, and let's have a conversation. And so I pull all that data together and kind of sanitize it. And so on one piece, one side of the paper, there's all what I call the bright spots, all the wonderful things that you do, and on the other side or another piece of paper is the opportunities, right? And so what what surprises you there? And then you can kind of go back out to the people who are your stakeholders and say, you know, I've gotten this information. Here are the two or three things that I've decided with my coach that I'm going to be working on. And here's what I'd like to have from you. Can you let me know when I'm being annoying or when I'm micromanaging you or when I'm kind of over? So whatever the it is, you ask for their help and ask to kind of get their feedback on a kind of a what, what you might call a feed-forward basis. Uh, what can I do over the next three months or so to help demonstrate that I'm trying to be a more collaborative or I'm trying to be more innovative or I'm trying to give you more space to do your work, whatever, the, whatever that opportunity is for development? Well, this strikes me as fantastic, spot-on counsel, but you've also, I shouldn't say but, I should say and, and you've also validated another suspicion of mine. This coaching stuff's hard work when you do it right, isn't it? <laughs> it it is but you know it's really as you well know it's really rewarding yeah. uh, and uh i'm i'm kind of a classic introvert and so for me you know after a day of coaching i really need to recharge my batteries a little bit uh but once i get my batteries recharged i'm uh, ready to go the next day so uh, to me it's a it's a fulfilling life and i wouldn't change a thing well thank you for the insight and the input i sincerely appreciate it my pleasure. Well, John, it sounds like you really um, found a calling for yourself in, in this transition from kind of a corporate life to a uh, coaching life. Do you feel that you really have kind of found your groove here? You know, I really do. I uh, and like a lot of uh, like a lot of my coaches or clients, you know, I kind of scratched my head for a number of years thinking to myself, you know, why am I never really happy or satisfied in, in any job that I have for more than two or three years? Uh, and kind of always kind of had this sense of unease about things. Uh, and I think a lot of it was because I was just, you know, I loved the work that I did. I loved the people that I worked with, but it was just not fulfilling for me. Uh, and so there's something about this interaction with coaching, and I can't quite put my finger on it or describe it any other way other than it's just it is just fulfilling for me. Uh, and uh, I just love it. So that's uh, so it has been a it's been a great move for me. I feel like finally I have uh, I found my calling. Now, um, if you could look back at your younger self, how would you kind of incorporate coaching into some of the early work that you did? Would, would you mm. think there's a place for that in that kind of early management opportunities you had? Yeah. So what this is, this is my wish for my younger self and, um, and for anyone really, uh, in, in that circumstance, uh, Make So what I would wish for my younger self is that I would have had a much clearer sense of what my values were or that someone would have spoken to me about what's important to me, what are my values, because understanding that and getting clear about that or getting as clear as you can about that, uh, I have found to be extraordinarily important. So if I had done that, then one of the things that I would have found is that you know, one of my key values is autonomy. 
right? Which is why probably partially why I'm so fulfilled now with the work that <laughs> right. I do. And so that would kind of help me understand you. Know, when I go to interview for a job, you know, I need to understand is this manager going to be kind of a micromanager? Is this a free environment? Do people work autonomously, et cetera? And so that's the, if I had to pick one message, it would be that find something that honors your values or at a minimum doesn't step on or violate your values. Now, do you think that you had to kind of get some scar tissue to really understand that and really believe that to be so? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, and it was uh, quite honestly, it was it was a real struggle for me. You know, I just uh, I was brought up uh, in the corporate world and in the business world that you know your your feelings don't really matter. Uh, and to me, at the time, you know, values or something kind of closely akin to your feelings or your emotions, et cetera. And it was something that you you checked all of that stuff at the door. Uh, and you came in and you were hard driving. You got results. You Your shareholders were happy. Your board was happy. Everybody was happy. Uh, and then when you walked out the door, then you could put all that stuff back on and be a real human being. Uh, and I have found, at least from my own personal experience and the experience of a lot of my clients and coaches, uh, that that is really no way to spend the majority of your life, which, let's face it, uh, during our waking hours, we spend the majority of our life working. Uh, and that's got to be fulfilling. Uh, and so that's kind of the stake in the ground for me is making sure that I'm really, really clear about that and that what, whatever circumstance I'm in, I can bring, if I choose to, I can bring my full self to that circumstance. And I guess the challenge when you're young is it looks like to everybody else, you're following a path and are successful and everything is going your way. But when in actuality, you might be frustrated or struggling in some areas, and that the right answer is to kind of escape that rat race of the, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and just finding your own path. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that's I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think, you know, sort of looking from the outside in that those sorts of things aren't really all that apparent. Um, but, you know, just taking having the time and the space. I think, to explore some of that and having some help with that. And that was what I found uh, when I went into a coaching engagement was, uh, and this I, probably why I'm so passionate about it today is that the whole values thing. That's where my coach started was, you know, and it was pretty clear after a period of time that, you know, there are a lot of reasons why I was frustrated with my corporate work and the work that I was doing. Again, I was very effective. I was happy doing what I was doing. I was making good money and I loved the people that I worked with, but there was some gnawing sensation, um, uh, where I just wasn't fulfilled. Uh, and there's, you know, to me, there's more to life. There's more to my work life, uh, than just being happy and making money. Although those things are important, uh, but being fulfilled really is more important than those two things. Right. If you don't have the right, why it's hard to, uh, get up every day. But when you have it and you're yeah. all aligned, it's, it's pretty easy to get up every day to do the work. Yeah, it really is. And I, I tell managers all the time, if, if, you know, you can't get some engagement and you can't inspire and be an inspirational leader, then your employees really don't have any reason to get out of bed and come into work every day other than just to get a paycheck and to do what's in front of them. Uh, and is that the kind of workforce that you want? 
or do you want an inspired workforce that's engaged and ready to come into work every day and bring their full selves to the work that they have in front of them? Uh, to me, that's what you want. And if you are struggling with this kind of angst, then it might be a clue that you do need a coach to help you kind of work through some of that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and listen, it's uh, and a lot of people have a have difficult have a difficult time sort of thinking about a coach because they have some sort of uh, they have a, a different perspective on on things. But I think about it, you know, almost everybody can relate to an athletic coach. You know, and an athletic coach, I mean, they don't run the hundred yard, they don't run the hundred meter dash for you. They train you to do it. They are behind you. They're in your corner. They're pushing you to do more than you believe that you can do yourself, and kind of helping you get out of the starting blocks and get uh, get down the track. Uh, and so. You know, using metaphors or analogies like that, I think, is really, really useful for helping people kind of overcome their reluctance sometimes to engage with a coach. Right. They look at it as maybe a sign of weakness and they and asking for help is not a lot of people's superpower. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm I, I'm like that as well. And and I do think that the tide is starting to turn a little bit. I, I'm a little uh, cautious, but I, I do think that you see a lot more. Whereas, you know, a decade ago, coaching was for executives, right? It was so many people in the C-suite is there. But now you see a lot more what people are calling democratization of coaching. You see a lot of uh, platforms out there and a lot of uh, organizations providing coaching to anyone who wants to, to take advantage of that. And so I think in some ways that's really, really good. Uh, the concern that I have is that, uh, you know, whenever that happens, you can end up with some questionable actors, let's say, I was going to say bad actors, but some questionable <laughs> actors out there uh, with a coach with a little C, I guess, uh, and kind of give the rest of us a bad name. But I think that that's a risk that you'll always take anytime that a an industry starts to scale and become more mainstream. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wanted to learn more and have more substantive conversation with you, what's the best coordinates for you? Yeah, so just uh, reach out to me by email, uh, john at sigmundsolutions.com. Uh, I am also on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a website, but quite frankly, I usually rely on my LinkedIn profile, but my website is johnsigmund.com. Uh, in any, any of those ways, uh, you'll reach me without a problem. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for being our guest today. My pleasure. I really appreciate the invitation. It was great chatting with you. All right, this is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.